Now, user error. <laughs> Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things that are below. For you have died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Your life is hidden in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We just say, Father, ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. And the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. And the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calf and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Holy Spirit, we say yes to your voice this morning. Just say yes to the Holy Spirit's voice. I receive your voice right now. It's the voice of the Lord. We do not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. One word from the Lord can change your life forever. One word from the Lord can set you free. One, Lord, one word from the Lord will take you to the next level where he wants you to go. It's all about his voice. It's all about his voice. Jesus came as the word of God. It's about his voice. We thank you for your voice, Father. You are a child of God, and it is your right to hear your father's voice. You know your father's voice. I can, my children know my voice, even when they're around the corner and they can't see me. They know my voice. They can hear me from afar. They know that this is their daddy speaking. It's the same is true for us. We know our Father's voice. And I just declare this morning that there is going to be freedom from fear. I believe God's breaking off fear. There's going to be even a lightheartedness. You're going to walk out of here more lighthearted than you walked in here because of the, because of the voice of the Lord. We thank you for wisdom and understanding, Father. Bless you. Reveal it to us. Fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we may live a life worthy of you, Father. Thank you, God. You can be seated. Amen. Thank you, guys. Awesome, God. Thank you, Lord. All right. Ready to rock and roll now. All right, so I want to talk about giving, and it's going to be more than about tithing, but I wanted to uh, loosen our corsets a little bit with this song here, if it, if it comes on. Everybody stand up right now. All right, y'all follow me right here. That's good, just, just, just a little bit. Because sometimes, sometimes we, we start talking about money, giving, and all that, and we, we get, we tighten up. And I'm, I'm just speaking from my own experience. I used to be scared of money. Has anybody else ever been scared of money? I know that sounds like a, a weird thought, but right, 
Raise your hand if you've been scared of money. I've been scared of money. Part of it was because I didn't know how it, to use it. I didn't know how to steward it. I mean, I just knew that you had to try to keep more in the bank than what you were spending. You know, but the strategy about how to go about that was, you know, just wasn't taught much about that. Didn't pursue it much until I started walking with the Lord. And I learned more about um, sacrificial giving before I learned about, like, how to actually steward money, you know, and, like, what was meant for me, what was meant for somebody else, and all this type of stuff. Because you, the Bible says you have bread and you have seed. Seed is for sowing into other people, ministries, whatever. And then you have bread, which is for you, for you to eat. God is not um, wanting just for you to be have holes in your jeans and all this kind of stuff that there's nothing wrong if you get holes in your jeans. But what I'm saying is that, I mean, I've had plenty of holes in my, Jessica was just like, you, she's like, you need to retire that pair of jeans. There's a hole right in the crotch. And I was, I was like, but these are like so comfortable. I mean, can we get your mom to patch them up? You know, but so there's nothing wrong with that. But did you know, it says, Jesus said the son of man had, has nowhere to lay his head. But then did you know that when the woman with the hemorrhage, it says that grabbed the hem of his garment, that that's only a, a priestly robe has that hem, and it's a very costly garment. So Jesus was actually watch, walking around in like a Gucci suit <laughs> of that day. It was a, and it was an expensive garment, but yet at the same time, he was like, would have to find places to lay his head. So you understand, like, it's not... Being poor isn't bad. Being rich isn't bad. It's like God wants to prosper us. And so Paul said, I've learned, to, I've learned to live without, and I've learned to live with much. So that's, what, that's ultimately what God is after is like, can you live from that place where you're actually not controlled by your circumstances, whether it's financially or, or otherwise? And so money is a huge part of this. I mean, money is a huge part of our world. This is how the, I mean, the world works this way. The system of the world works this way. And so we, we need to know from a, this is a very basic foundational teaching about this. I mean, you could teach on this for a solid year, really, if you wanted to. There's more verses in the Bible about money than really there is anything else. Or giving or things related to the giving of your resources. And so... <clears throat> Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, In all things I've shown you that by working hard, key two words, that's working hard's good. In this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed, blessed to give than to receive. Okay, so this is what we're talking about. So, oops, go back. Tithing. What is tithing? Okay, we hear about it. Some of you are not from church backgrounds, and some of you may be from churches that don't even talk about it. Um, and so I'm starting, this is what I'm saying. It's like, this is, I don't want to miss anything. I want to start from the ground up. So tithing is really the first 10% of your income. You make $20 a week, that's $2 a week of your income that's given to tithing. All right, the, the word tithe just means 10%. It's that simple. Now, we also hear about tithes and offerings. So what is an offering? Well, an offering is anything you give above 10%. Okay? So even if Jessica and I gave, if, I, if we gave 50% of our income to the church, the first 10% is our tithe, and the 40% left over is our offering. Does that make sense? All right, so tithe is really means 10%, okay? So <clears throat> why is this like an important concept for us as believers? Why do we need to know about this? Why did God even, why does he even care about this? All right, so we're going to, this is what we're going to look into. 2 Samuel 24, it says, Then Aruna said, 
Why has my Lord the King, next time, if we get a dog, I'm going to name him that, Aruna. Why has the, my Lord the King come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be held back from the people. Aruna said to David, let my Lord the King take and offer up what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. Everything, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. However, the king said to Aruna, David, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David built the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel. So when we worship God, it's going to cost us something. At least it should. Because when something costs you, it means it has value to you. As a community... You come here and we meet on Sundays. It's a a cost of your time. It costs you to be intentional as we worship together. You may be tired. You may be halfway sick, whatever it is. But you you come and you intend to worship. And then whatever finances that you give, it, it costs you. And so you can't imagine if you're on a basketball team. And during practice, you, you sit on the bench. During the games, you sit on the bench. Like, all you do is sit on the bench. Not because the coach put you there, but because you're just like, I'm, just, I'm good right here. Will you feel a part of that team? No. You win the championship, you're just going to be like, I didn't do anything. And so it's the same way when you enter into any type of community, it's got to cost you something. If you really, we hear a lot of people say they're looking for community. That's really what the whole world's looking for. That's why gang members are in gangs. Because they, don't, they want family. It's, just, it's a perverted version of family. So everybody's looking for family. Everybody's looking for community. And even gang members, it costs them something, right? To be initiated into that gang, they may have to go kill somebody or steal something or do whatever. It costs them something to prove For them, you belong. Now, we don't prove that we belong, but out of our love, it's we're on the opposite end. Out of my love, see, in the gang, you 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 do these things to earn any kind of love. We start with love, and that's why we do things. So it says, Jesus said, If you love me, you obey my commandments. So that's that's why we do anything. It's, It's not because we don't obey Jesus' commandments to earn his love. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you, if you obey my commandments, I'll love you. He said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. So the question is just, is just about our love motivating us. And so the tithe, what we bring into the tithe is, is a part of that it costing us something that's not convenient. So why do we tithe? Like I said, there's many people who come to church to just get instead of give. And we don't really want a church like that. And this is why I love people that, that come into our church. And because our church is not a convenient church. We don't have a convenient kids ministry. We don't have like a convenient location. We don't, you know, it's like we have a great location. I'm thankful for this place because we don't have to haul in sound equipment and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, we don't have like all these rooms and we can't meet during the week. So there's like some inconveniences. But God is really not about, I was reading this morning in James, it says, be, do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers so you don't deceive yourself. So when we don't practice what we preach, we, we can come under actually like a spirit of deception. It's, it's like a sober scripture, you know. You may think you're actually giving into a community if you're not, if you're not pouring in. Because you're, you're like, I'm here. I'm standing here. I'm on the bench. I'm here. I'm on the team. But you're actually not contributing anything. 
And so <clears throat> at the awakening, people are always welcome to encounter God, but if you do, if it is your church family, it does need to cost you something. That's just the way it is with family. It costs you to be in a family, right? I cost my kids every day when they have to share something. Cost Jessica and I, you know, there's times where Jessica and I are like, hey, we like to chill on the couch for a little while, kids. But now, like, one of them needs attention, so it, it costs us something. So, unrighteous mammon. Jesus said this. He said, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. So that's a principle right there. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you what, that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at them. And so the principle in that very first sentence, faithful, when you're faithful with the little, God will give you, put you in charge of much. And if it, it's a little dark in here, it's just because it's raining outside. We don't have our skylights, in case you're wondering. But Jesus said to be, but if you're unfaithful with little, it's the same principle. You're, you'll be unfaithful with much. And so I know for me, uh, when I was, especially in, my, in college, I would used to think, it's like, I'm going to do this when I get here. Like, I remember I would say, I'm going to surrender to God when I get a family. Because I'm having to, I mean, you know, I'm like, I like doing my own thing. But Jesus is, unre- is a warrior and he's unrelenting, did not give up on me, haunted me. Holy Ghost haunted me. Anybody else been haunted by the Holy Ghost? He is a ghost. He showed up in my car. He showed up in my bedroom. He's like, Travis, give your life to Jesus. And I'm not leaving. And so... Um, Isaiah 42 says the Lord doesn't grow weary. He doesn't faint. He says he doesn't sleep or slumber. And I've always had this picture. I'm just running. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to keep running for two more years. And I look back two years later, Jesus is like, hey, how you doing, man? He's just like full of energy. He's like, you want to keep running? Just keep running, man. I'll just be right here. I'm just, I'm just running right behind you. And he's like full 100% the whole time. And I'm just gradually, the power meter is going down until I get to the place where I can't run anymore. And then I turn around. I say, I can't run anymore. He's like, awesome, baby. I'm right here. You want me to carry you? I was like, yeah, Jesus. And then he carries me. That's how Jesus is. That's how good he is. So unrighteous mammon. If we don't know how to handle unrighteous mammon, how will we be entrusted with true spiritual riches? Unrighteous mammon just means money. I mean, mammon, Jesus said you can't serve mammon and God. He's talking about a spirit. So there's this thing called a spirit of mammon, which means like you trust in riches basically more than you trust in God. That's like the straightforward, easy way to understand that. And so when you trust in riches, when you trust in money as your provider, God can't be your provider. God, you can't, <laughs> you know, I, I still wrestle with it. Surprise challenged me when he said something. He's like, because I've got friends in ministry who carry guns in dark places. I've got friends in ministry who don't carry guns in dark places. But Surpresa is one of the guys that doesn't carry guns. I'm talking about Surpresa Satole. If you, if you don't know who he is, he's part of Irish Ministries and amazing Mozambican man. He says, as soon as I, you carry guns, the angels go bye-bye. <laughs> and I was like, is that true, Lord? <laughs> I'd rather carry a gun. You know, but anyways, it's like, if you're going to defend yourself, then God's like, all right, defend yourself. If you're going to trust in riches, all right, I got to take, take my hand off. And But there's 
obviously there's people in the world who are rich and who don't trust God at all. But like everybody will reap at a certain time, whether it's in this life or when you stand before God. So like you're going to reap what you sow. I don't know. I can't. I don't know when, when we're, the reaping cycle is for every single person, but you will reap. And so we got to know how to handle money. The way I steward money, my obedience with money, is what qualifies me actually for spiritual riches. Did you know that your money, what you, your physical obedience with your money can actually release more of the love of God in your life, more of his anointing, more of breakthrough? Did you know that they're even related? Because physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. And you may not even, you don't even have to start liking giving money as long as you're obedient. God will work on your heart later. But if you're, if you're waiting to get to, to become a, a cheerful giver, it says, it says God loves a cheerful giver, but he didn't say you got to have that to give. The first time I ever gave like a big sacrificial gift out of substitute teaching, you don't make money as a substitute. A whole lot of money as a substitute teacher. And uh, especially nowadays, they cut it even back further from 16 years ago when I was doing it. And uh, I had just gotten paid, and I never carried a lot of cash on me. I had $120 in my wallet. We go to New Life Covenant Church over here off uh, Chase Street. And the man from Uganda was there who had orphanages. And... It was an amazing man. I can't even remember. His, his first name was Robert. I can't remember his last name, but Kayanja. Yes. Thank you. So obviously this guy's got a reputation. And, uh, but when he was speaking, it was, it was powerful. Jessica and I were there. We weren't married yet. And, uh, and they were taking up an offering for him and for the, for the orphanage. I was like, Lord, how much do you want me to give? He said, empty out your wallet. And I was like, $20 would do. So I put the $20 in. We go back to the car. Jessica's in the passenger seat. And I'm literally against the steering wheel like this. <laughs> I mean, we, just, we just came out of an awesome church service. But I'm, I look like somebody told me my dog died. And so Jessica's like, what is wrong? I was like, I got to go back in there. <laughs> What's going on? I was, I didn't give all the money I was supposed to. I was like, you know, defensive. I, like, I didn't give all the money I was supposed to. Back off. So I go in there, and I'm just like, here's a hundred. I, didn't, here's a hundred. I found the, the ushers, and they were, like, putting the money in the money bag. And I was like, here's this $100. I didn't, you know, this is like, I was grumpy. It's because God was breaking off this thing in me. I was known in college as the sting among my roommates. Because if you, if you borrowed, now I'm not saying this is right, but if you borrowed a shirt of mine without asking, and my roommate, who happened to be my brother, <laughs> would go to the bar. Maybe that was why I felt a little more liberty with him, but he'd go to a bar, be cigarette holes in there. And I'm, Jason doesn't do any of that stuff anymore, so I'm fine with that. But it's, he's like, we, we were all in the no good stuff. I was like, dude, you... Look at this shirt. Look at it. You're paying for this shirt. The cigarette hole. You know, I was just like, like I was ready to kill him. And then we go to Taco Bell. Taco Bell. I'd get the fountain drink, 69 cents, small cup. I ain't paying 89 cents for a large cup. I'm paying 69 cents for a small cup because I can read. It's an endless fountain. And so I go there. My friends get water. Mm-hmm. You know how those guys are. And so I, I'm drinking my Pepsi. And I do, let me get a sip of your Pepsi. I'm like, no. If you want Pepsi, go buy yourself a small cup. <laughs> like, I just want a sip. I was like, fine. And so I would hold the cup. I would hold the cup while they're drinking it. And they're like, dude, are you really doing this? I was like, yeah. I am. And then I would pull it back. They're like, I didn't even get any. I was like, well, fine, go get you a small cup. You can have as much as you want. 
I had bagels. We had a big block party. And some guys I didn't even know came into my house, took my bagels out of the pantry, and just chomping down on my bagels. I stood in front of them. I was like, hey, you enjoying those bagels? I was, I was a jerk. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, I was a jerk. I was like, hey, you enjoying those bagels right there? They're like, yeah, I mean, I was like, those are my bagels. Just go ahead and help yourself. Anything in the house, help yourself. And I went, free bagels, free bagels. Anybody need bagels? Free bagels. I like just shame these guys publicly. I was like, here you go, give me my bagels back. And they like walked out of the apartment. I was like, yeah. Put them back in the cupboard. I was like, nobody takes food in this house. So, I was, so I'm telling you, I painted you a picture, the stinge. But now it's like I've seen God the way he gives so much more than what he requires. That's looking for opportunities to give now and looking for like, God, where are you calling us to sow our money? Where are you calling us to be generous at? And so it doesn't matter what your attitude is. If you start, you just start a bang with the Lord because now that $120 that I gave to Robert Kianja started breaking off that it's really an orphan mentality of like, there's not enough. There's not enough. But you have a father in heaven who's got endless storehouses. When he gives you something, it doesn't 100% supply, doesn't reduce down to 90. It stays at 100. It never like depletes. His storage house is always full. He's just, and everybody, he's, he tells you something different. This is like somebody else's testimony is meant to inspire you to hear God for yourself. You're not going to give $120 necessarily because I gave $120. That may not be the key for you. Sometimes it's giving $5 and, and that's all you actually have to your name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so there's a connection to what I do with my resources in the unseen realm. Physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. Now, Malachi chapter 3 talks about the tithe and offering. It says, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? So it's talking about, like, revival. It's like, how can we return back to God? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy the fruits of the ground. Nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I actually believe that the body of Christ is meant to be a resource center for nations. Financial resources, creative resources supernatural resources, wisdom resources, problem-solving resources. We have wisdom, as it says in Ephesians 3, that confounds the powers and authorities of darkness. It says we have manifold wisdom. That means the colors of the light spectrum. That's how much wisdom we have. And that's like endless you can keep dividing up the colors of the light spectrum into infinity. And so that's the kind of wisdom that we have access to. And so Malachi, you know, this is an Old Testament scripture. And so a lot of questions that people have are like, well, is, this, is tithing a New Testament principle? And so we're going to talk about that. And also just real quick, your tithe is like, I don't know if I made this clear, so I'm going to make sure. That is clear. But you give that into your storehouse is what Malachi 3 is talking about. So what is your storehouse? Your storehouse is the community that you get life from. I can't define that for you. You may be here and you're just like 
checking the church out or whatever, but you're, you're really plugged into another community, then your, your tithe is going into that other community that you're plugged in, okay? If you're plugged in here at the Awakening, your tithe goes to the Awakening. Now, we have your offering. So one of the things I want to do is brag on you guys for the way the past few weeks you guys have given into the goal caps. The goal caps had a, a yearly goal of $15,000. They reached that in a month. So they've, they've reached their goal. And, and they're going to be getting monthly, they've gotten monthly uh, supporters and all that. So good job. We also gave away $1,000 in cash and Venmo last week to Coach Mike right there. I, don't know, I hope you don't mind me saying that, but we brought Coach Mike up here, and he was let go at, at Cedar Shoals for sharing the gospel with students and as a huge mentor figure in there. And so we just went on, we wanted God to provide for him. And in James it says, you can't say to your brother, be blessed and be provided for and then walk away and give, give them nothing. And so we took up an offering. So we, we handed him cash and it was over $1,000. So you guys have generous hearts. So this isn't the question. It's about like, oh, I, when I started tithing, I started giving on my net income because I was like, this is, oh, this is what's on the check. But taxes had already been taken out. And so we give to Caesar what is Caesar's, we give to God what is God's. So my taxes are taken out on my gross income. So your gross is what the grand total you make. Your net is what you actually put in the bank. Everybody understand that? And so... And so that's when I was like, I didn't know until somebody like told me. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to tithe on my gross. It wasn't like I was trying to skimp on God or anything like that. And that's, that's what I feel like my, I'm wanting to accomplish with a lot of you guys is just to like give you information that's going to, your heart's going to run with. You know, it's a, and so that's why we, when we talk about money, it's like I want you, I want you guys to run even further what's already in your heart because you're you're generous people so what is Malachi 3 saying he's saying put your money where your mouth is he's saying we cannot declare trust in Jesus without it looking like something Matthew 6 verses 20 through 21 says but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's, Jesus makes all these connections to your spirit, to your heart, to money. Why is that? Why is it so powerful about money? I asked God that one time. I was like, why is there so many scriptures on money? Why is it such a big deal? Because I hate talking about it at that time. It was like 10 years ago. Jessica and I had had a fight about money. It's, it's, when you get married, it's one of, it can be, it doesn't have to be, it can be one of the biggest contentions in your marriage. So it's important that you know these things. And so um, Jessica and I, our giving looked different. She liked to give extravagant gifts to people. I like to give extravagant checks. That's how I, that's where I, I thought God. So if we had a special speaker come in, we give a check towards that speaker and I always had a bigger amount than Jessica, and she would feel less spiritual in a nutshell. I'll let, you can ask her about that. But I wasn't trying to put that on her. That was her deal. But, I was, but at the same time, I was like, this is the only way extravagant giving looks like. It was very narrow. Now, we would have friends that would have birthdays. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to get them like a, a massage and then... Uh, like a gift card and then some candles. And I'm like, that's, a, that's like $150. Why am I like a $20 gift card to Target? And she's like, no. And you know what I'm saying? So I was like, old Stinge was creeping, creeping back up. He was trying to get it, let, let, let me out. And But I was like, no, man. <laughs> and so God was just like, what's this? One's not more holy than the other. You know what I'm saying? It's actually, so the, God calls both bread and seed holy. So whenever I get my kids something nice for Christmas, it's actually as holy to the Lord as it is giving an offering to an orphanage. So as long as I'm 
But the key is, is like, am I taking, you have to hear what God's saying is seed and what's bread. I can't give my, I can't eat my seed and I can't give my bread away because if I give my bread away, it's going to rot. But I eat my seed, I'm not going to have a harvest. So that's where I'm talking about you got to hear the Lord. But there's principles he's given us that give you guidelines on how to to start. So now when you, so when we give tithes, that's, I'm going to tell you what we, when you give a tithe to the awakening, that's going to our rent here. It's going to buying supplies like we bought. We spent $4,000 on our kids' church stuff over there because of that wall, mats, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it pays our, everybody that's on staff, it pays their salaries, pays for events that we do. When, we, when you show up to Thanksgiving uh, potluck, the meat and all that kind of stuff, it's, been, that's, it's coming out like a general fund. And so even when you go into Toddly, we got like a building fund, which is something that we're saving, we want to save money for and be ready for any time that God presents an opportunity to maybe have our own building. We have special speaker funds. You know, we have Bob Johnson, Steve Fish, people like that come in. And we have like gold caps who are missionaries being sent out from this house. Now, one thing that we can't do is give our tithe to these funds because the tithe goes to the general fund that keeps all this running, that keeps just the day-to-day stuff going. So your offering is like, can be to any of those other things outside of like the general fund, okay? So, so if that makes sense, so I give my 10% to like the general fund of the awakening and then anything I wanna give to the gold caps, anything I wanna give to the building fund is above that. Does that make sense? All right, so when you give your tithe and your offering, you keep your hands open and it just, it reinforces you. It's like, hey, this money's not mine. <laughs> tithing is just like helps keep your heart pure it helps keep you unattached to this to money being your provider so with Malachi's 3 saying storehouse I talked about that one thing about the storehouse if this to help you understand I don't when you, if I go to the last resort and eat a meal I don't go pay it at Taqueria del Sol okay so like wherever you're getting fed at that's where you need to pay the bill. That's where you need to give your tithe and your offering. All right? And so I, I like that example because it just helps paint the picture of, of kind of what our community looks like and where you're getting fed and all that. So now more can be done with your 90% income, which is what you have left after your tithe, and with your 100% income, because Malachi 3 says when you, when you don't tithe, there's like a devourer released on your finances. It's just like what the Bible says. And so it says um, you don't want your grapes to cast before it's time. And so sometimes I know for people, it may look like you just can't get out from under, from under there's a cycle of car breaking down or unexpected expenses and that stuff happens to everybody i'm not saying if that's hey your car your car breaks down my first question to you is hey are you tithing no i'm not i'm not asking you that because i know i'm tithing and i'm like lord this yukon you need you need to lay holy spirit lay hands on this thing so it's like the yukon's doing well i actually declare things over my cars it sounds silly but, I, but it's like, they're like pets to me. So we name our cars. My, my white 2002 Honda is Harry. GMC Yukon is Thor. And the Toyota Prius is Praise. And so I've, I've had Harry 14 years. He's got over 200,000 miles on him. And I'm driving to work. So I was like, you are blessed. You will last at least to 300,000 miles. You have a good running engine. You don't need any major fixes over over Thor. I'm like, you're going to run perfectly for the, until I, we're ready for you to leave. <laughs> you know, praise. He's brand new. I haven't declared quite as much over him. But it's, you know, so it's like, don't take your words for granted. And so God can do more with my 90% 
then with my 100%, then your 100% income because the devourers is on your 100%, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So this is God's heart, an abundance for every good work. He's not just wanting to like, yeah, I want you to struggle with finances, sacrificially give and never see anything. No, he wants an abundance for every good work. That's why he's telling us this. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness. Your giving is actually a tat, is actually an indicator of righteousness. It's, a, it's like how in tune are, are you with the heart of God? And so the seed to the sower, bread for food, this is what I was talking about earlier. Your, your money is basically divided into these two categories. All right? Um, seed is of what you give. Sowing is for what you keep. Now, the only instance the Bible, in the Bible that God invites us to test them in something is in Malachi 3. God links money to the opening of heaven, the outpouring of the Spirit, and the blessing until there is no need. Now, this, God's will for you is to prosper you. All right? Some people start thinking that, oh, man, that's prosperity gospel. Just because you said prosper. I was like, well, prosper is in the Bible. So, like, just get used to that word. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans for a hope in the future. So it's like, why would God want to heal your body and for your finances to suffer? Why would he want to heal your spirit or your soul and not heal your body? He wants to heal the whole kit and caboodle. He wants to heal your finances. He wants to heal your body. He wants to heal your spirit, man, your emotion, emotions, whatever it is. He's in the business of bringing you to looking, to being hidden in Christ, looking just like his son looks until you're perfected, you know? So it's, you can't, it's not like we, we believe those things. Now, I told you, I, I used to be scared of money. Jessica and I, we were, we were fighting about money. I'm, I'm just now remembering, I forgot to tell you what that fight about, was about. And it was about the way we give, and I was wanting to give this big gift. She's like, we need to hold on to that. Now, guys, listen, I say this all the time. Your wife has another name. Her name is Holy Spirit Junior. Ninety-nine percent of the time, she's probably right, and you need to repent. That's all my marriage counseling advice I ever give anybody. I tell guys, I was like, the husband, I said, "Hey man, what is Christ loving the church? What does that look like to you? Because that's what husbands are called to do: love your wife as Christ loved the church." She's like sacrificial leader, giving, you know, laying my life down, servant. I was like, yeah. I said, what, what even comes before that? And they don't know what I'm trying to ask him. So it's, I say, you die first. Jesus died first for the church. Now, then the church dies second for Jesus. So you die, husbands, you die first. You don't try to Convince your wife that you're smarter and wiser. I mean, this doesn't mean you have conversations, honest conversations. I'm not saying any of that. But I found with every God-fearing man, I've, I've quizzed uh, men in this church. I've quizzed Steve Fish. I've quizzed Bob Johnson. I, and because I'm, one, I'm gathering my data for my hypothesis. <laughs> because my hypothesis is 80% of the time the husband does the repenting. All, I've not had anybody disagree with me yet. They're like, it may be even more. They're like, it may be like 90%. And it's because, like, you die first. Now, it doesn't mean the wife doesn't have issues that she doesn't need to handle. But when you get out of the way for, you got to get out, husbands, you got to get out of the way for Jesus to get to your wife. If that's the problem. But see, you can't even approach it like that. You just got to own what you got to own. All right, we got into, like, marriage counseling. So, all right. <laughs> so God links money to the opening of heaven. God will rebuke the devouring spirit off of your finances. Now, where is this spirit coming from? It was a devouring spirit. It's like, who wants to steal 
kill, and destroy? The devil. So why would the devil want to keep you from prospering? He wants to keep you tired. He wants to keep you worn out. He wants to keep you from giving. He wants you to live in fear. He's got a myriad of reasons. He's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. It's not the Lord. God wants you to prosper. I used to do, I used to, when I was, it had, I had a hard time believing this for God because, because, get back to my story, when I, when I was scared about money, I remember Jessica and I arguing, we're in, the, we're in the car, and I said, I'm tired of serving the D God of mammon. Because I wanted to give this check. I thought it was like the righteous, religious, holy thing to do. And Jessica's like, we cannot do that. We don't even have that in our bank account. And I thought she was a ye of little faith. (laughs) And I told her, I said, I'm tired of serving the God of mammon. Now I was puffed up. And righteous. But then the Lord said, this is when he said, all right, Travis, it's time to die first. I want you, when, when it's time to give an offering, something above my, our tithe, I want you to go with whatever Jessica says. Because we would pray about it and then give in an agreement. So special speaker came in. All right, honey, what are you getting? She said, I'm, I'm getting like $15. And in my mind, I'm like, what kind of faith is that? You know, I'm just like, you know, it's, it's nauseating to look back on it. But anyways, and so uh, I was like, okay. All right. Yeah, 15. All right, that's good. For two years, I did this. I just, I would agree with whatever she got. And I would, I was like, that's good. Guess what started happening? When we, we started, by the, by the end of two years, when we pray, her amounts were, were like $100 more or, or than my amounts. I'd get like $200. She's like, I think we should give $350. I'm like, all right. That's kind of, you know, pushing it, but all right, yeah. <laughs> and so I just had to, I had to get out of the way. This is what I'm saying. I had to get out of the way for my wife. So... When we were first married, I know this is, a, this is a lot of information, guys. You're doing great. We had an income tax return. Like I said, I was substitute teaching. And we got $1,500 back because we're in that bracket where you get just about everything back. And so I was like, $1,500. I'm about to go to seminary. We need to save this towards the first semester. And the Lord said, you're giving it all away. And I was just like... You know, I just, imagining the conversation with Jessica, I was like, okay, this makes me uncomfortable. It's probably going to make Jessica uncomfortable. So we talked about it, we prayed, and we're like, yeah, this is the Lord. And then we're like, all right, God, we were, where do you want to give it? He said, I want you to give half to a friend of ours who was our itinerant worship minister at the time. And then uh, he says, at the church we were at, they were doing a beautification program of an already beautiful sanctuary and we totally did not think it was the right thing to do with that money. It's like the youth needed like a bus. There's like all these other needs instead of putting like fresh new crown molding in the sanctuary. And the Lord said, give it to the beautification program. I was like, what? <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> no, but the Lord's like, so it was like $750. And so we're at a business meeting at the church and we're like, if we can get every family to give $750, we can have this thing paid for in three months. Or, you know, I, was, I looked at Jessica like, Dad Gummit. <laughs> Dad Gummit, it's the Holy Spirit. And so we gave. I preached our, the last Sunday we're in Georgia before we moved to Fort Worth. I preached at this church. They took up a love offering for me. And the love offering was $6,000. Yeah, somebody get an amen on that. <laughs> and because God's like, I can do a whole lot more with 750 worth 1500 than you can. And he just, like, God will just test you. 
He's like, you going to be bitter? You think you're going to know more than me? I'm going to test you. I'm actually going to make you give to something you don't even agree with. <laughs> he will do that. I'm telling you. Because he's looking. He's, are you going to listen to my voice? Above logic. Above your heart's desire. Now, it says if we obey him, he'll actually give our heart's desire. He's so good, he doesn't, we don't even know what we want. You know that when you have kids, Brian, Laura, they don't even know what they want. But that's our job as parents to, get, to figure that out. Scholarship testimony. I, I used to get $500 or $500 a semester from the Georgia Baptist Convention. And the Lord said, I want you to give that to your neighbor who is struggling with his tuition. I gave it anonymously through the seminary. Our, we, I heard it in class. My neighbor was in my same class, and he's like, I just want to testify. It's like we were about to have to quit seminary, and somebody gave a gift through, through the seminary anonymously, and now we're going to be able to stay in school. And everybody was cheering. I was like, in the class, I was just like, yay, God, that's awesome. And, you know, and knowing it was like what God had told us to do. About a week later, my dad calls. He says, Travis, I'm the youngest of three boys. He's like, you know, Pat and Jason, I put them through UGA, and you had a Hope scholarship and didn't have to pay for anything. And I just figured it'd be right if I paid for your seminary. <laughs> so I, I sowed a seed into a seminary tuition. God turned $500 into about 12 grand if not more than that, it's maybe like 15. You hear it, hear it, listen to his voice. All right. So, this tithing New Testament. Tithing began before the law was introduced. It started with Abraham. This was before Moses. Tithing started before the law. All right. 400 years before the time of Moses and the law, and according to Romans 4.12, were to walk in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham. If tithing was good for him, it should be good for us too. We give tithes like Abraham gave them, not by the law, but by faith. And besides that, if the people of God paid 10% before the law and 10% under the law, shouldn't we who live by grace do any less when we have a better covenant? So Hebrews 7, 6-8 deals with this directly. It says, but this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it testified that he lives. So Melchizedek received Abraham's tithes. Melchizedek is a prefigure of Christ. I can't go into all that. Don't have time. We conclude that just as Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, we give a tithe to Christ who is declared living. Is, it, is Jesus alive? Yes. All right, we give it to the living. Some people think this is a new issue. It's as old as the second century. The early Jewish believers had no problem with tithing since they had done it under the law and they gave it to the priests. So this was, a, this was they just swung this over into the new covenant because they're like, this is a good thing. This, and, you know, there's some things that Jesus... He said, I came to fulfill the law and not necessarily abolish the law. And so there's certain things in the Old Testament that were abolished, animal sacrifice. There's other things that come, that come into the New Testament, and this is one of those things. So they, they would give their tithe to the elders in church by love. However, as the church became less Jewish, this issue came up to the church fathers, and they answered the question of tithing in Matthew 23, 23. So... I'm, I'm flying through this info. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So it's not, oh, we're above the law. We just, like, we just love people. And, like, we say, and No, it's like Jesus is saying, don't forsake tithing. But remember, it's more important that people know you love them. But you don't get rid of the tithing. It's a good thing. 
all right? So Paul, also, he also uses the pattern of tithing under the law in 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you know that, the, that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So this shows the mentality of Paul, his understanding of carrying over the concept of tithing into the church. And it's often used to contradict 2 Corinthians 9-7, which says each man should give what is in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right? So I'm reading this because I want to get to the last part. The argument goes something like this. Each believer has a right to decide for himself what to give and should not be told what the percentage he should contribute. So this is what I even had friends just like, you should just give whatever's in your heart. Okay? It's not like we're not under the law. The problem with, with this argument is the above passage. It's not dealing with giving support to the church, but rather giving support to the poor. So 2 Corinthians 9 is talking about do what's in your heart to give to the poor. So he's talking about offering, not tithe. He's talking about what you give above the, above the tithe. Under the law, giving to the poor was a free will offering. The law commanded free will offerings as well as tithes. I won't read that. So it's, in, it's inconsistent for people to appeal to free will offerings yet claim that tithing has been abolished because they coincide. Chris Valentin said, when someone asked me if tithing is a New Testament commandment, I reply, are you trying to give more or give less? Because Jesus raised the bar way above the tithe, actually. He said, you got to be willing to sell everything. Now, this is what I want. This is something that I think is such a good principle. All right. So you got we've got baseball diamond here, and I'm going to pop it. There's first base, second base, third base, home plate, and the first number is what you keep. The second number is what your is your your tithe and offering, and your third number is your savings. All right. So this is this will change your life. I'm serious. So first base, none of these are more holy, spiritual than the other. This is just like where you're starting at. Your coach is glad that you got on base, all right? So first base, you keep 80% of your income, 10% tithe. You, may have a, you can have a little bit above that offering, whatever, but just 10% tithe. Let's just start there. And then 10% into savings, all right? Because that 10% tithe is your seed, your 10% into your savings is your bread. God has told you to invest in yourself. Bread and seed, invest in yourself. Invest in others, invest in yourself. Okay? So that's first base. Second base. Because once you start getting on second base, you're going to start seeing like, the multiplication of God's resources in your life. You may be in between home plate and first base. That's totally fine. You may be between first and second. Whatever it is, you're on a journey to getting on base and to moving forward, all right? So there's not any condemnation there. We just want you, this is um, to help you. This is to, give, to, to allow your heart to run free. So second base. I'm living off 70%, or I'm, or I'm keeping 70%, 15% is what I'm giving, so I have a 10% tithe, 5% offering. Now, that's something you can give, like, that 5% wherever you want. You can divide that up. I can give 2% two, 2 to this ministry. I can give 2% to my missionary friend. I can give the last 1% to the poor, whatever, whatever it is. Like, you can do whatever you want. That's like the free will offering that we we're talking about. And then 15% in your savings, investments, whatever your savings kind of looks like. Third base. You know, you're getting... Now, this is not going to happen, like, overnight. Okay? Don't try to, like, jump from home plate to second base. Start with first base. Just start with first base. Now, I know for Jessica and I, the moment we get paid, 
we set aside the savings because I can just transfer money to my savings account without cost. I immediately transfer 10% into savings because what we, if I look at my checking account and there's whatever's money there is what I feel like I can spend. That's just how I am. Is anybody else like that? Like, oh, we got this money. We got $2,000 in the bank. But if you put away 10% and now there's 1500 it's like, oh, we only got 1500 So it's, it makes you have a little more self-control when you take it away out of that checking account. That's just what I found. So 15% savings, 15% tithing offering, 70% what you keep. Third base, keep 60. Give 20. Save 20. And then home base, we have some friends in Wander who live this way. They give 50%. I mean, they keep 50, give 25, invest 25. So, like I said, this is a journey. This is just something to give you, like, a goal. Whenever Jessica and I heard about this, it, like, we're, like, it made our hearts happy because our hearts want to give. But I, we've, been so, we've been so scared of money that it paralyzes you. So this is meant to break, to give you freedom, to give you a strategy with your money. And you just take... If you're single, you know, you just, you start right now with whatever you have, whatever you're earning. Now, if you're, you don't give your tithe on a credit card, okay? You got to give it on, like, what you actually are making or earning. Don't give it off like a debt of a, a loan check or anything like that, okay? If you make $20 a week, give $2 a week. It's not about the amount. Because if you start with $2 a week, this is why, what makes you think you can tr- you're going to be able, you're going to give $500 a month when you're making th- uh, $5,000 a month when you can't give $2 out of your $20 check. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you, Jesus is saying that when you got to be faithful with little, then you can you'll be faithful with much. So start with the $2. And it's good for your heart. And you're going to see, wow, God, you just... God's going to, he's going to increase you. It doesn't mean you won't have challenges. It won't mean that there's times that it's not tight, but it's going to be, you're going to see freedom. Your heart's going to be free. And it's actually going to, you're going to see spiritual blessings in it as well. So let's stand up. So these are a couple of our core values at the awakening. We're going to be doing an awakening 101 class. It's looking probably like January, um, where we share our core values. This is what shapes our community. This is what shapes our mission. And, um, but these are a couple of these. You can go to the website and actually look at the, all the core values. And we've, we attach declarations to these core values. Because when you hear something, you can, it, it spurs faith. So stewardship and not ownership is one of the values. So the declaration under that, I want us to say it together. What I have is God's, and what God has is mine. Now, that's a good promise right there. What God has is mine, but what I have is his. Who gets the better end of the stick on that? We do. I'm like, yeah, why not trade in what I have for what God has, you know? So second value is give, and it shall be given giving as a lifestyle. So let's say the declaration. I experienced my father's heart through the joy of giving. And let's read it together, that that declaration on the bottom. I am on a generosity rampage. I'm on a generosity rampage. I love that. It's like, here's money. You want a hundred? There you go. I like like that. Can't stop me, baby. So we're going to, let's read this together. As we receive today's offering, we are believing in the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. 
Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So, uh, Cody, if you'll come on up, man. So we're going to just have a time of ministry, and we're also just invite you, if this is something brand new for you, this is, a, this is how you can start giving. We make it easy through uh, a digital app, Tidal. You can even text the word give to that number that's on the screen, and it'll, it'll prompt you with instructions on how to give. But guys, this is, God doesn't need your money. Why does he ask for this? Because he, he knows it's linked to your heart. He wants your heart. And it's just one of those things where I can't, I tell my kids, when you build, when you practice something, it, lead, it grows. My, my girls are playing basketball right now, and they're like, Dad, you know, I want to be able to hit like five out of ten shots. And I'm like, you got to practice, baby. You, gotta, you just got to practice. And so this is like one of those things, for me and Jessica, it's a non-negotiable it's an automatic. If we even have to dip into our savings to pay our tithe for whatever reason, we're gonna, we do that. We just make sure it's like we give God what is God's because it's good for my heart. It's not that God needs it. He could create the world without money, right? He doesn't need money. This is just the currency of the world. This is like the system of the world, the way it operates. We do, you do, need, we do need money in the kingdom for missionaries, for churches, for, to, to spur creative ideas, to, for businesses, everything. It's, that's just the, this the currency that we're in the world. Our currency that we access, money, is the currency of faith. That's the way heaven operates. So you can give to this number or download the Tidely app, however you want to do it. We have a ministry team down front here. If you want them to pray for you, physical healing, uh, agree with you in prayer about anything. And they'd love to pray for you. So we're going to worship in one more song. You can get out your phone, give, or come receive ministry. And we'll go from there.